0: Hello, and welcome to the White Shorts podcast. I'm Bella Cartman, and I'll be your host for the series. Now, this podcast came about from conversations I've had with players, coaches, and fans of women's football and women's sport. There is so much being discussed on a daily basis about challenges faced by female players, the improvements we would like to see in the game, and how there are these amazing women quietly working away to improve our clubs and associations for the women of tomorrow. With the recent explosion in women's sports, I sought out a platform where I could learn more about these incredible women and what they're doing for Women's Football in New Zealand. What I found should have come as no surprise, but this platform did not exist. So, the White Shorts podcast was born. This podcast aims to bring to light the work being done by these incredible women, along with highlighting some of the adversities they have faced by being involved in the game. Each week, I'll be joined by a player, coach or manager from around New Zealand for a fireside chat. We'll talk about their motivations, their journeys, and crucially, what they've learned along the way. So come join us, and we hope these discussions inspire ones of your own. Morning all, and welcome to episode 13 of the White Shorts podcast. We are again joined by Jess Fuller for the final World Cup wrap-up of the past month. It's just been an unbelievable tournament. I'm sure anyone listening can um, relate to just the absolute excitement and elation that has come with this past month of games. And now also the heartbreak that is coming with the realisation that it's all over and we have to wait another four years. Um, I have definitely not come to terms with it at all whatsoever. I think I'm pushing it way, way deep in my brain. Um, what about you, Jess? Like, you... You've had an absolute ball and a half the past month. Is the heartbreak sitting in?
1: Yeah, I think it has. I feel. I think if anything, I feel real overwhelmed. Being at the like lucky enough to be at the final and the atmosphere was inc- like absolutely incredible. England didn't get the wing, win wins. So I was heartbroken about that. Sad the tournament was ending, but also just impressed with how it all went and like so many memories made. So. You know, it was actually quite emotional. <laughs> and, yeah, I think I think the way to put it is just overwhelmed.
0: Um, well, yeah, I mean, as you just said, like, we, uh, yeah, we've had this amazing month of games. We've had them in Wellington. Um, we've had them in Auckland, Dunedin. Like, we've all been able to go along to one. But I think going to that final, like, watching it on TV, that Australia-England game and then the final as well would have just been a completely different atmosphere. You were on the ground in Sydney for the final Talk us through what it was like being in that stadium and also being in Sydney in the crowds for the Australia-England match.
1: Yeah. I keep saying incredible, but that's just the, the word that I'm using to um describe the whole thing. But even like landed in Sydney, as soon as we touched down the amount of Matilda shirts, because third and fourth place was the following day, and there was just people wearing Matilda's tops, Matilda's tops, and then you'd see people wearing Lioness tops, a few Sweden tops. Everyone was wearing... England gear and for me that's cool because I feel like I'm usually one of the only ones in my football (laughs) merchandise 24-7 to to, so to feel normal and see other people wearing them was incredible and then not only that but wearing like the female jerseys with the names on the back you know saw a few Kate, Kate and Fords went and watched third and fourth place on top of a rooftop some rooftop next to the fan festival Um, had a game of rooftop football with some kids. So that whole experience, the Matildas didn't do very well with that game, unfortunately, but that whole experience was just crazy. And then heading to the final, the English fans chanting with them, singing all the songs, the pubs were all packed out. And then it kind of hit you how many people were arriving at the stadium. And it was just excitement. And then you walk down, I walked down the stairs to to my seats and it like it really hit that I was about to watch the Lionesses play. And it was just like the Lionesses play in a final. And it was just, yeah, just incredible.
0: Well, yeah, like that was like one of the, because I, I watched with my parents, I was back home and that was like one of the things I said to my dad. I was like, every single person in the stadium is wearing some form of merch. Like, you, you would expect that for a final. But I think even for the Australia-England game, like, I guess maybe I still just had some doubts in the back of my head that people were still just going along because, you know, it's a World Cup and, like, shit, if it's in your hometown, you may as well go and catch a game. The tickets are bloody cheap. Like, why not? But, like, no, everyone was wearing merch, like, getting in on the chance, getting up and cheering for the girls. And I, like, turned to my dad and I was like, people are there to support the girls they're not there the world cup they're there to be fans and they're there to be a crowd for their team which i think like it just hit me in that moment where i was like these all of these people who many of them like it's been like made clear like many of them have never watched football in their life could not care less and they're like i'm so obsessed with this team i'm so emotionally invested in how they do Like, what's going on with me? What's changed? I don't understand because this is going to, like, make or break the rest of my year. And I was just, like, people were getting it. People understand. And it was this, like, shift. And we talked about how many shifts there have been in this tournament overall, like, seeing the crowds and blah, blah, blah. But I think seeing that moment where everyone was wearing fan gear and they were showing up to be fans for their girls, like, oh, my God, it just, it really hit me how far, we've come in even just a month
1: yeah the, the raw I I find it like I can't put into what I was feeling in the moment into words but like the roar as the two teams walked out yeah was just electric and interestingly enough thinking about um those kind of moments as well there's a group sitting behind us and I started to notice some of the commentary of one of the guys seemed a bit odd of the game and then I heard him say to his mate oh do these do these women use a size five <laughs> and I couldn't resist so I turned around and I went yeah they do and I was like I don't know what I was anticipating him to say back yeah. and he goes back to me and goes "Oh, you seem to know what you're talking about do you know um what the league's called in the UK because I'd really like to watch it on tv so I was like oh the WSL and I turned back and I said to my friend um Logan who I was <laughs> watching that I was like wow like yeah, it's generally changing people's mindsets like by the second like yeah. it's even at the final like they probably they might have even been their first game by the sounds of it but them having that experience and that visibility again we've just gained another women's football fan so yeah. I think that's that's I think we're still underestimating the power of this tournament in terms of visibility and you know we hope to see more of that
0: yeah no absolutely uh, that that actually like the listeners can't see but i have such a big smile on my face because i think as well like a lot of the commentary that's coming out on social media now and it's like around what you just said about like he just asked you the question and you're like oh yeah happy to you know dub yourself point you in the right direction but, like a lot of what people are coming out saying is like there's none of this like gatekeeping around women's football like it's a very open and like welcoming environment and we're all just like yeah shit yeah like We don't care who you are. We want you in those stands supporting the girls. Like, if you're here for a good time, doesn't matter who you are. We want you here. Whether, I feel like, again, with, like, men's sport, like, it's always like, oh, yeah, I support Arsenal, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, guarantee there's going to be someone turns around and goes, oh, would you know when they last won the Champions League? Uh, Last won the Premier League? Or, oh, can you name their fucking coach from 1999? And it's like, dude, I'm allowed to like it without you know, having to, and it just feels like this very, not aggressive, aggressive is the wrong word, but like this very gatekeepy, if you're not up to par, then you're not welcome in the club. Whether I think that's maybe what's different about this tournament is we genuinely just want people to show up. We want you to show up and we want you to be stoked that you're here. And we just want you to be stoked about women's football because it's something that you should be stoked about. And I think that is like really starting to come through in the commentary we're seeing post-World Cup. Um at the final and what was yeah, best moment from the final from the game.
1: Yeah, so obviously being an English fan, there wasn't many <laughs> wasn't many lioness <laughs> moments, but the penalty save was right in front of where I was sitting too, so everyone's shouting, Mary, Mary, Mary and like you kind of always back the striker to finish the penalty, but yeah. then she pulled off this outstanding outstanding save and like she's telling all the players to f off and <laughs> what have you like honestly absolute moment and then like kicks the ball passes the ball out the field currently if she kicked or threw it but kicked or throws it the ball goes down the other end and I'm watching her because on tv when I watch her play I really enjoy how she like revs herself up after she's made a save so I'm like, keeping an eye, keep an eye, and once the ball had gone down the other end, I see her turning around to watch the replay of her save on the TV, and she's got her tongue out, like, real, like, yeah, like, I did that, and I just thought, you absolute legend, like, not only are you the best keeper in the world, but you, the way, like, she's just a winner, like, she's, yeah. like, yes, you got second players, but she acts like a complete winner, and yeah, yeah like, If I was a bit younger, I'd probably start getting into goalkeeping after watching that whole thing because I generally was like, like we joke around and everyone goes, goalkeepers are mad, which they are. (laughs) But she just, she's next level. Also, the way Mary Oops took her um, Golden Glove Award, like she's just lost a World Cup final and she took that and she held it up in the air. And the pride you saw, it was like, you're cool. (laughs) You were cool. You're inspirational. And you're
0: you're one to watch on it. Yeah. yeah oh shit! yeah no yeah that was a really powerful moment it was it was beautiful I mean well speaking of the ceremony at the end got to touch on it because yes while there are some amazing amazing highlights unfortunately as there seems to be with women's sports there's some low light because of a certain group of people um so we've got a few things we've got to cover off but let's Let's touch on Lucy Bronze first. Do you want to run us through the whole Lucy Bronze scenario?
1: Yeah, so obviously the FIFA president a couple of days before the final came out and gave the spill about how great the World Cup has been but then also how essentially women need to prove themselves to the men and pick their battles etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Um that wasn't word for word so I invite the listeners to go in to go and have a have a look at it.
0: You can check it out. But, the
1: white shorts yes. Instagram page. There we go. Um, but essentially, so Lucy Bronze, I would say she looked the absolute the most devastated out of the England players. And she walks on last, um, behind the rest of the lionesses, and she comes to receive in her medal, and she does not shake the president's hand. She takes the medal and walks away. And for me, it was quite a moment. And it was I actually see it as a quite an inspirational moment because I look at it and like anyone, you have your tough times being a female in football. So when I saw that moment, especially the replays of that moment, I was like, "Man, we need more Lucy Bronzes in the world, but we also need to keep fighting for what we believe in value is right." And for me, that was, however sad it was to see. The lionesses pick up second place and Lucy Bronze's devastation. I think I saw something on Instagram that said this proves that you can lose a game but still be a winner. Yeah, and for me, I think that that sums it up because it was it was such a moment and reminded me that everyone's a part of this journey or battle, and we've just got to keep doing, keep slowly pushing and eventually, like we've made so much movement till now, but there's still so much to be made. So I think that moment by Lucy Bronze for me is a bit of a movement and it was I don't know it's quite special um Ooh, you talk- however, however frustrating
0: that is yeah and we talked about like because we had a ch- chat about this before we jumped on but like how sometimes as a woman you that like whatever the imposter syndrome whatever you want to call it creeps in and you feel like you have to like make yourself a bit smaller to accommodate everyone else's boundaries and you have to kind of make your boundaries smaller and fit yourself into this little box but you were saying like watching that lucy bronze moment kind of made it click in your head a bit that that box actually doesn't exist and you actually it was like a moment to remind yourself and say like i actually just need to be who i who i want to be
1: yeah yeah so exactly that like you come across challenges and sometimes I feel like you tell yourself, oh, do I just need to keep quiet? Do I just need to let it be, keep, keep doing me, but don't speak up. And for me, seeing Lucy Bronze do that reminded me like, no, if, if you believe in something strongly or you know what's right, like, yeah, just be yourself. Like that's, that's who you are. And that's what makes, makes you you. So don't, don't stand down and, keep pushing and yeah I think that moment for me for a lot of personal reasons was quite special and yeah I was I don't know I feel quite proud
0: yeah well I mean for her to do that like it is such a statement um and it is like a very loaded action um to do that on the global stage with however millions of people tuning in around the world not in her knowing oh yeah they're all gonna see this I don't know we're constantly told I guess growing up that Maybe you have to like fit in between the lines, like I don't know, color in the lines fit in the lines. And you know what? Maybe that's changing ever so slowly, but we're starting to see a change of woman being like, actually no, I'm gonna be me, and if that is loud and going against the grain, then maybe the grain's going in the wrong, goddamn wrong direction. <laughs> like <laughs> you yeah, know, exactly such like a stunning moment for women, but then fucking, 10 minutes later, maybe just the lowest point of the World Cup. I would, (sighs) and like even just, yeah, like it makes you sigh even to just think about it and everyone will know what we're talking about. We're talking about the Spanish national team. We're talking about the federation president that was up on stage, giving them hugs as they were receiving their medals. And then also the coach, like everything's coming out now, like the photos of him with the staff on the sideline. Um, but, I mean, what was your, what's your take on it? Because I feel like everyone's talked about this absolute agnosium, and everyone will have something to say, but, like, it's just exhausting.
1: Yeah, I think exhausting is a great way to put it. It's just frustrating because it's like that should be the biggest moment of their careers. They've hmm. just won the World Cup, and it's almost been tarnished by someone else's actions that they can't control. Which they've had multiple people speaking up about.
0: Mm.
1: Nothing's happened.
0: Yeah.
1: It's now quite publicly apparent what's happening. And there's still not much that's happened out of it. And for me I found it quite conflicting because like although although the team I was rooting for lost.
0: Yeah.
1: It's great to watch any team win a trophy, right? Like you're upset, you're heartbroken, but at the end of the day, the world's best players are now receiving their trophy, and and it
0: yeah, to Spain, they played beautiful football. Like it, they, they deserved to win that match.
1: They were the better team on the day, but it did feel like football had lost.
0: Yeah, I agree. If that
1: makes any sense, and it's not and it's not because like the players hundred percent deserved it, hmm. but it's conflicting because of the coach, and that gets a bit sad. But at the same time, now that it is publicly apparent, hopefully something's done about it.
0: Yeah, I no, I hundred I think you've hit the nail on the head there saying football lost on that day. Cause yeah, going into it, it was like you obviously you want the players to win because you don't want the players not to win because of their one man's actions. But then knowing that if they did win he would probably receive no repercussions and his behavior would never be i mean never's maybe too strong of a word but was much more unlikely to be acknowledged um because again he could just say yeah but i won the world cup with it like we won the world cup so maybe I'm, my behavior is actually the right way to go about it like maybe it's the best way and it's just that again can't speak for the spanish players obviously mm-hmm. um but those girls who did resign from the team and said no actually we're not coming back Um, we deserve better they've now seen this team go on and win the world cup and some of their close friends and teammates have gone back to that team who you all agreed collectively to stand up against the federation to then turn around and go back into the team. Like, I understand why, because you work your whole career for a World Cup. Like, that's the hard thing is, like, I get it, because why should you give that up because of one man? But then, shit, it must hurt for those players who didn't go back, who were some of the best in the world and now will maybe never get to see out that dream or live that dream. And, yeah, like, having this team win under a coach who doesn't deserve it. And I read somewhere that I think this was really well put Everyone needs to remember that these girls won despite their federation, not because of their federation. And hopefully one day we will see all teams winning because of their federation, not despite of it. And that's probably the key in that conversation. But with, I mean, we're talking about the coach, but we've got to talk about the bloody president of the association being up on stage, just literally assaulting someone. Like, let's not blank over it. That was assault. He assaulted her in front of tens of millions of viewers.
1: Yeah. And it's just, it's just not good enough. Like, it's appalling, really. And like you say, like, you really hope something's going to happen. But it's being, the issues are being masked by a piece of silverware. I don't know. Like, I can't remember who I was speaking to, but I was speaking to, it was someone in Sydney. Oh, I think it was Natalie Smith actually. And I was saying if Spain did win, at least the players would have a platform, mm. more publicity to then maybe dig a bit deeper into the issues that they're facing. So maybe once the emotions have the heightened emotions have been lowered, maybe they will use it as a bit more of a platform. Like we're now world yeah. champions. Like this is what we want to be able to continue to do better. But I guess we'll just have to see and see what's around the corner.
0: Yeah, I think it also speaks to that, like, and has maybe highlighted for more people that just like really ingrained misogyny from some people at the higher echelons of the football world. Like, there's this really ingrained disrespect for women and women in sport. And it's almost like, well, I wouldn't even say it's subconscious, I would go as far as to say it's conscious bias against women and just saying them, oh, you're just having your fun. Like that is the most blatant way I've seen that presented. Is it really paints a picture of that deeper relationship a lot of men have with women's sport and how they perceive women's sport?
1: I agree, and I think what I find sad is that that moment should have been the moment of highest visibility, and again, it's been tarnished, and it actually has bad visibility for especially younger audiences who maybe aren't like can't distinguish between what's right and wrong yet so then that then normalizes that for them and so for me it's like something needs to be done quickly because until things change at that top level where it's seen that's gonna until things change up there the stuff at the grassroots level isn't gonna change but then having said that like I don't want to be like negative about the whole thing because Serena Wigwin. can we just yeah like what an absolute legend? She what spoke a- about female female coaches in the press conference beautifully when she got asked. She's the only one there. We need more of them. Da, da 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 da. And I just think she she's just legend really. Like tell me where to buy a poster of an A3 poster of it, and I'll be buying it. Like she's just <laughs> like I I actually thought at the final after the final was sitting there in bed, and I was like man. I missed a perfect opportunity because everyone's like got these signs about asking for boots and stuff. Why did I not ask Serena, can I have your glasses? Cause I want to see the lens, the game through your lens. Like, and then like the tournament finishes, she's won the Euros, got England into the um, World Cup final. Next minute it's all about her going first of all to USA women's, which I was like, okay, like I can see that. Like understandable. And then it's like all of this stuff about her going to men's football, which like, I'm a true believer of it. W- it would be great to have a female coach in the male game at that high level, but at the same time, Simon Jordan from the BBC TalkSport I think put it perfectly. Why are we even talking about Serena going to the men's game when the women's deserve the best and the experts just as much, even more so than the men? So we can get to a point where there's no technical differences and. I think that's a thought more and more people need to have because I want Serena to stick with the lionesses and at least women's football, because I want the best coach coaching, possibly one of the best national teams in the world. And for me, second place in the world, lionesses, like that's, there shouldn't be an argument. So I'm glad Simon, Simon Jordan has come out and said that. And it's, it's quite a good run and I encourage people to go and listen to it. And it's, the BBC sports and lots of people listening to it and I think that's the sort of voices we need to be heard publicly more and more
0: and this is like the male male ally that we've talked about so constantly it was such an immediate reaction from him to be like why is it spoken about like Serena going over to the men's as an upgrade like the men are doing shit and all of this has been spoken as if the men are somehow a better gig Than our lionesses. And that's not true. Like, the women are just as much of an incredible opportunity to coach as the men, if not more so. Talking about continuing to grow the game and like people who are influencing the game. We've talked so much, like, this past month, and everyone's talked so much this past month about how much of an impact this World Cup is having on women's sport, like, women's sport as a whole, not just women's football. It's amazing. It's incredible. We're so excited. But now the question is, where to next? Like, I've been trying to think about this, and it's almost so overwhelming, because I think for so long, the goal was, we want to sell out stadiums. We want everyone to be talking about it. We want to fill up town squares. We want to sell out stadiums for a women's match. And we've done that. We achieved that. Like, what, week one of the tournament. And so it's now where to next? And I have no clue. And it's such a big question of we know that we can now achieve our wildest aspirations. So what are our new aspirations? What are our new wildest dreams for women's football and women's sport? And thinking about that, how different is it, if at all, to the men's and what we see currently in the men's? Because for me personally, I don't quite know what it is, but it's different to what the men's game is currently. That's for sure. Because I think we can do better and I think we can get a lot more for the fans and a lot more out of the players than what the men's game currently is at what we kind of assume to be the pinnacle of football. Um, But yeah, I mean, thinking about that, what's next? What What do we look for now? Like, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I think it is is a huge question actually, and I think
0: you've done it quite well. I think
1: the main thing is how do we continue to build momentum and sustainability? because mm. we've, we've captured an audience now. so how do we keep them there? on a I guess on a local level, there's all this talk about making sure people get behind their local women's teams, et cetera, et cetera. But I think again, we need to think top down so how can how can our professional and international teams get more funding? how can we play more fixtures so we can continue the visibility? How can we make sure that all females playing sport have got the resources that they need to play? They're playing on the best facilities. They're not being put on pitch two because the men's team playing on pitch one first. So it's about continuing to, because there's still like, I think the success of the tournament masks a lot of issues. So there's still so many issues regarding facilities um times even timing of games at the local level and then that's all flown down you think of all the teams um south africa there's Mm -hmm. so many more teams fighting they're still fighting for equal equal pay so so although there's more people tuning in we need more people investing in it and we need more people fighting for that equality which hopefully we'll get, but I do think there's still going to be a lot of fighting and a lot of pushing.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's, I really like how you put, how do we sustain it? Cause I think, as you say, we've captured that audience and now we have to be able to maintain their or retain their attention for four years. And, like the immediate thought is okay, let's get them down to the local games, let's get them down like talking on a New Zealand level, let's get them down to the Phoenix girls. Like and this is for men's football as well, because like men's football in New Zealand also needs more fans. Like, no doubt about that. But again, women's football podcasts, so we're gonna talk about the woman. Um but yeah, it's like get them down to the Phoenix girls, get them following on social media, like we've said it so many times. But then what do we do next? Like, how do we get them buying merch or investing their own time and energy past the point of going to games? Like, I think we're in that space now of asking for more from fans and the public than just come along to our matches and buy tickets, please. It's like, yeah, you're coming along to our matches. How can we make this an overall experience for people and make it so it's like a staple Saturday or Sunday event? Like, we saw what a football match could be as a whole. You had the halftime show, you had the Coldplay Sky full of stars, you like it was an experience to be there for that three hours. So how do we get that going for the next four years? And not just on the pitch, but on the socials, on the media, in news media, like I don't know. It's exciting. It's exciting, but it's so overwhelming.
1: I think you've put that really well and I have I'm not even going to pretend like I have no idea how, how you do that. But what I will say is I think those stories and the authenticity the women's game currently has is unmatchable. So the men's, the men's there's no question, the men's game is all very, very much money driven. Mm. And coming back to another one of my Sydney stories, and I have a few, but I was crossing the road and saw one of my heroes, Jill Scott, I did everything to try and control myself and not ask for a photo but I ended up asking for one and this was after England lost the final so I I was expecting her to say no but she did not and she did not, they say don't meet your heroes but I'm so glad I got to meet Jill Scott because she was just everything that she is Like she's just authentic, Like she was lovely absolutely lovely and that is something that you're not going to get in the men's game and I hope I really want more money to be thrown into the women's game. It needs it. The only way we're going to keep getting better is if players are given the facilities and the resources they deserve, but at the same time, with that extra investment being thrown in, I really hope we don't lose that authenticity and that that almost like you've got a connection with the players, even though you don't, you don't know them from Adam, but it's the stories that they're telling on their social media, and maybe that's where the sponsorship deals and that maybe differ from the men, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's they're actually being paid more for what they're posting on social media yeah, rather than a more brand deal type things, yeah. if you know what I mean. It's, so anyway, I could be talking a bunch of rubbish here but that's just my thoughts on it is that yeah, we don't want to lose those more personal stories yeah, amongst the money.
0: Oh, 100%. Well, the men's game like is so inflated and I think that's often lost in the conversation of um, oh, The women want more money but they don't bring in as much revenue as the men's game and it's this comparison between the men's game it's like we're not asking for 600 million dollar deals like that's too much money no one should be earning that much money for kicking a ball around for 90 minutes on a pitch we're asking for enough to do a good job actually we're not even asking for enough anymore we're asking for like money a generous amount of money we're not asking for stupid prices that you're seeing in the men's football and that i think is what has happened to that authenticity is it's just gone because everyone is chasing that next deal that's going to get them more money and look at
1: Saudi arabia look at all the players going to saudi arabia yeah
0: that's the one but like i think that's what's really come come to the fore in this world cup is with the women they are humble and they are very, like, you can connect with them because you know they've been through the absolute shit to get where they are. Like, everyone keeps saying, yeah, actually, if the Lionesses did win the World Cup, it's it's not comparable, comparable to when the men did it back in 19, whatever it was. It's actually more impressive because they've had to go through so much more shit to get there in the first place than the men have ever had to go through. And so it's like, you can relate to that. You understand, like you can appreciate the struggles they've been through. You just don't really see that with the men's side. And I 100% agree, like, keeping that authenticity and that humbleness in the women's game is, one, what attracted so many people to it in the first place, and, two, is, I think, going to play a key part in sustaining that audience over the next four years until we get to the next World Cup, which we don't even know where it is because people haven't thought four years in advance to bloody organise it. So again, FIFA, showing your bias towards the men game again. So on that note, I'm going to pose a
1: question to you that's real left field. Hit me. Okay. Do you think there would be any benefit in the women's game going independent of FIFA? Oh shit. Because I was thinking about this the other night. I'm not an idiot. I know that it would come at a huge cost, especially at first. Part of me is curious, right? In a world where that may happen, I don't know, you you make it happen in Sims or something. I don't know. (laughs) I wonder. That
0: is left field and has actually shook me to my core a little bit. That's a question and a half. I don't have an answer for you. But that's maybe a conversation we'll start to see crop up over the next four years depending on how this next preparation for the next world cup comes about like if there's the same issues with the brand with the broadcasting deals if the prize money doesn't increase if some of those issues kind of cross over into the next world cup maybe that is a question that people start what uh, holy shit i'm a bit baffled by that i'm not going to stop thinking about that that is a very very good question it would you could then
1: make it whatever you want to make it but also then like the revenue etc everything that it makes then you decide mm. what that goes on as well. i don't know like i feel like 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 i say i'm not an idiot like <laughs> huge cost it's it's for right? quite exciting actually that's quite an exciting thought
0: i don't know yeah, anyway that was
1: my brain one early morning <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean i feel like the point there would be would that happen before we get someone in the presidential role at fifa who can actually facilitate real change it's whatever those one of those two things happens first is yeah
1: and at what point do you pull the plug and say point, yeah yeah and say we're gone and yeah. also like like because we're making slow progress it's like you'd have to lose everything to then build everything
0: I mean, look, I think on that bombshell, we'll call the episode there, and and we'll give everyone something to ponder over, because that's, yeah, that shook me to my core, but, oh my gosh, what a month, and I don't know about you, but I had my doubts coming into this month, and expectations have absolutely been shot out of the water, so... I mean, this is our final World Cup wrap-up before we go back to normal programming on the White Shorts podcast, but God, it makes the heart happy to reflect on this month. And to be honest, I think I'll be reflecting on it for a long, long, long time to come. But yeah, any final thoughts from the past month? I just think I've made so many memories and
1: memories that I'm going to look back on for a very, very, very long time, if not forever. And it makes me excited and you know i'm i'm saving up for 2027 and i'm almost gonna say i'm gonna make it my mission to now attend as many world cups as i can so love it. yeah hopefully more memories to be created in the future
0: yeah oh well look thank you so much for jumping on these episodes with me uh, thanks
1: again thanks again bella it's been oh, it's just awesome talking
0: world yeah. cup footy world cup footy oh we're only going to be able to say that every four years so we've got to make the most of it um look i'm sure we'll be back on here soon yarning about something or another we will see what the future holds but again thank you to the listeners for tuning in for episode number 13 um we'll be back to normal programming i'll let you know all the details on the socials so give the white shorts podcast a follow on instagram and if you're really nerdy like myself, LinkedIn, hate the platform, but unfortunately it does its job well. So yeah, appreciate you tuning in again and we'll see you for the next episode. Cheers.